You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Feels like a very low rent Brady bunch. Okay, yes. exactly. <laughs> well, that's the way we became the ESO group. You know. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay. Or Hollywood Squares. Oh, exactly. <laughs> okay. Wait, Darren needs to get in the center then. It's the secret square. <laughs> so awesome! All right, we are live. Welcome to Earth Station One Live. We are back, and we are going to be talking an amazing, amazing thing this week. We are having a great great discussion and we are going to have you know basically it's talking about i guess diversity in some ways and we're talking about different stories about it and we've got a great crew about this show and of course myself mike faber and we have mr mike gordon say howdy mike howdy and of course we have a couple of guests with us darren is back with us welcome hi everybody sir. How are you? Exactly. And we also have Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. And Keith Johnson is back, too. What's up, everybody? Yeah, you could actually see him for the first time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's smiling face. He's smiling. He's like, oh, dude, I'm here. Let's get going. Why are you talking like this? No, we are actually really excited to talk about this topic. And we are, you know, we're aware of what's going on in the world and we thought it'd be we, are. <laughs> we thought it unfortunately we are yeah. well exactly and that's the thing when we are talking about it we thought you know would it be great to talk about some positive stuff about what's going on in the world and some of the goodness that could come out of this and we're going to talk about different stories different movies tv shows comics there's an endless topic and we definitely think it's proper that you know each one of us comes from a different background and somehow you know have experienced it and more than others obviously and i just thought it'd be proper for us getting a bunch of friends to talk about this and this is the best way to i think to do it uh we definitely would love to hear from you guys we're up on facebook live tonight so please you know join in the conversation uh we definitely would love to hear from you guys uh we also of course if you want to write us please write us but of course as always earthstation1 at esonetwork.com definitely would love to hear from you guys of course we have to do the shout out to tofosi tonight and you know, our friends at Tifosi, you know, bring you the show every week and they are our sponsors. And, you know, Tifosi sunglasses are pretty darn amazing. And, you know, for only $25, you could have a rad uh, set of shades, as my son would say. <laughs> and, you know, he'd be like, Dad, you didn't even say it right, of course. But <laughs> you can get um, a really awesome pair of sunglasses for 25 bucks, And if you go to tofosioptics.com, which is their wonderful website and web store. You can actually uh, put the ESO network in the coupon code and you get 10% off. So it's a nice little discount if you do. And if you're a gamer, they also take care of you. Also, they have those uh, 
blue light glasses up there now. So if, you know, a lot of us are working from home and on our computers all the day, darn time, and, you know, basically looking at stuff and, you know, folks, it's pretty awesome that, you know, you can get glasses to help your eyes and not just, you know, sunglasses, but Tifosi Optics has you covered for both, which is pretty awesome. And then you might want to say, hey, Mike, I have a prescription. What can we do? Tifosi Optics has you covered there too. They work with your prescription and they can actually make sunglasses to fit your prescription. Pretty darn awesome. All you have to do is go to Tifosi Optics and you could look really cool this summer because we got a lot of summer ahead of us. We might be inside, but we'll be, you know, <laughs> you know, but, but we do have summer coming, you know, so it should be a lot of fun. Inside, uh, you still want one of the, you need to look cool. Hey, Mikey, you, yeah. you are breaking up. I'm getting double, like you're echoing big time. Echoing? Yes. Are you guys getting that? Yeah. 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 Well, I heard it that one time. Yeah. Huh. I don't know why that would, that would be. Yeah, right there. Yeah. I just did it. Yeah. Big time. It was a slight Max Headroom thing. You froze yeah. for a second. Your right. voice yeah, <laughs> exa exactly. Are you auditioning yeah. for the new TV show that's coming up? <laughs> we just have to, uh, have to call it Mike Headroom. The, the only thing I can figure is that uh, maybe having both of the uh, streams going at the same time is, is xing my system. It, it's like Matt Frewer is in um, the chat. You can, you can mute out... Um, the facebook live if you no it, the the audio is not on i'm saying that the it, it's uh, too much of my uh, uh browser space <laughs> hmm. sound like it's mike howdy it's like i'm in a max headroom episode yeah exactly totally, dude. wow so uh nothing else i could do about it. i can tune yeah. out if you want if you want no, I prefer you here, but you know, but it's you can't really talk. <laughs> you want me here? here. You just don't you want me to here, talk. You can't talk. We love you, you here. Chalkboard, Mike. He's got a chalkboard. <laughs> you can just hold up stuff to the camera. Yeah, there. remember, you know, silent movies. You just hold up the card. <laughs> and leave it there for like two minutes so we can read it like they used to. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We'll play a little piano music underneath. Yeah, of course. And we'll have Mike be a silent. He'll be silent Mike tonight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he has to wear the baseball hat backwards and everything in the long trench coat. <laughs> but I am not changing my name to Jay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So, but it would be, it would be interesting to say. Um, so Mikey, um, you also might need to run an update on Zoom. See if that will help. Cause they did come out with a new one today. So I'm today. Yeah. I, I had to do one before I joined the, the call. So I'm sure the folks on Facebook are just loving this. You know, it's like, oh, this is very entertaining. <laughs> this is high quality content right here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so maybe, you know, if you want check it out and try to see what, you know, what you can do. Sorry to say. Hey, um... Okay. Jason Delatore wants you to say the choice of a new generation, Mike. <laughs> I think Mike left. Yeah, I think oh. we, lost, we lost him. Yeah, he's, le he's left the building. Oh, well, he could just talk echo, echo, echo like that. <laughs> so we might as well get started with this topic and, you know, you know, diversity comes in all different forms. And I thought having, you know, 
both of you because you know darren and mary are both queer and keith you're african-american i'm jewish and little playing on every way but it's you know been very interesting ways to see how people interpret it and you know my parents were hippies the free love and we had everything in our lives growing up and it was always you know interesting way to you know not have to think about I never thought about a lot of these issues that were hitting and that you're everyone's going through and you know certain stories you guys uh, everyone identifies with and it'll be very interesting to see what you guys have come up with for tonight and you know do we should we just jump in or what are you guys thinking about how this represents with today I think for me, I think it's funny. I have a, I have a friend, a dear friend of mine who is uh, white and he called me the other night and said he wanted to talk. I didn't know what he wanted to talk about. So I just picked up the phone and he just laid into this stuff about, man, I don't understand these protests and I don't understand all this stuff that's going on and people don't love this country and why don't they kneel for something like that? And I think what was what was what was interesting for me, to your point, Mike, about some people don't see this stuff. There is literally nothing anyone is saying that I don't feel. There's nothing that people have gone through. I haven't gone through. I've been pulled over and had a gun pulled on me for doing a California stop. I have been followed in stores by security guards. I have had, uh, with all due respect to people, I have had white women run away from me like they thought I was going to attack them. I have had people tell me those old good old things like, well, you're not like other black people as if most black people are savages. So for me and for most, honestly, most black people I know, friends, relatives, coworkers, nothing that is being said is new. I mean, I would have to, I would have to struggle to find a black person for whom this stuff is just not familiar. No. And for me, to your point, it's great to hear people talking about us. I think the greatest thing coming out of this is, you know, that old saying, you, you, to understand a man, you have to walk a mile in his shoes or a mile in his moccasins. You don't have to. And I think it's great that a lot of people are finally saying, hey, talk to me about this. Because, you know, like, I'm not a woman, so I can't understand what my wife goes through. I'm not Jewish, so I don't understand what being Jewish is. I'm not uh, gay, so I don't understand what that means. But I understand pain, and I understand rejection, and I understand discrimination. And I think that the good thing coming out of this is that we're all talking, and and hopefully it's not just black pain. To your point, to how you introduce it, it's everybody's pain. And maybe if we can listen, I'm I'm encouraged that we'll listen to each other instead of becoming so offended. Um, that's one of the things I have when I talk to some people. I have to say, you know, they'll say, "Well, I didn't do this," and blah blah blah. And sometimes I want to say, "Well, can I?" Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying about I'm hurting. And I'm sorry if it hurts you sometimes, but you have no clue what I live with every day. So it's great that people are starting to listen this time. That's that's an encouraging thing I take out of it. No, I think that's a very well said. And yeah, it's interesting because, you know, people get offended if somebody says, oh, wait, all lives matter and everything. It's right. like, and it's, it does, but you have to be aware of what's going on right now. Right. And, and that's what's more important right now. And that fits into, you know, people saying white privilege and, mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing. And 
it's, you know, racism has not gone away. It was swept under, you know, the blankets or under, and, you know, people, it was not accepted anymore in a lot of parts of the world or in the country, but, and I don't want to get political tonight. I know we're going to have to touch on some politics. Sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how you're going to talk about diversity. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, exactly. Mike, it's political. Yeah, it is. But, you know, this current administration has let the gates open and encouraging it. And it's it's horrible that, you know, it's being done. And people, I never expected to turn ugly against it is and family members even. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I think people are, and actually I like this about what's going on because it's people get defensive and because they don't want to confront their own internalized racism and, and homophobia and, Uh, And I I struggle with that myself because we all grew up in a racist culture and we are confronted with it all the time. We all grew up in a homophobic culture and a misogynistic culture. And it's, and even though I have tried um, to, to get away from what I've grown up with and, and to remember to always respect all people whether I understand where they're coming from or not, because we don't all share the same experience, but as mm-hmm. Keith so put it so well, we all, we all share pain. We all share uh, the human experience. Um, and so, you know, when that, sometimes that first voice in your head is the one that, that you grew up with the racist one or the homophobic one or the misogynistic one. But the point is you don't have to stop there. You can get past that. You you can you can listen to other voices and learn to turn that one away. And I think that that's what I'm seeing with with these protests. That's different than it's been in the past. That I think people are just more open to to admitting their own uh, their own part in the culture and trying to change it rather than just <clears throat> sort of saying, oh well, that's too bad. And moving on and everything stays the same. I, I feel like we're at least on the edge of change and I hope it continues. Oh, I agree completely. And Mary, you said it perfectly. This is open dialogues that should have been opened years ago. And it's just people are, you know, and especially I'm amazed to see how many young people are stepping up. And that makes me sound old, I know. How many young people? (laughs) Get off my steppers. (laughs) But yeah, but truthfully, you know, it's it's wonderful seeing that, you know, you know, I had friends of mine, oh, they're they're gonna stop protesting after a day or two. No, they haven't. And I think it the protests need to get bigger, and I think the protests need to get more vocal and you know basically stand up to all the suppression that's going on. Look at what happened yesterday in New York at the LGBT protest. Don't get me started. Don't yeah. get me yeah. started. You know, and, but it's just, it's just ridiculous. This mm-hmm. does not need to happen. And it's ridiculous that it is in this country, which is supposed to pride itself 
on freedom and, you know, and, you know, it's part of, you know, what we grew up believing, but it's only the freedom was only if you were white, basically. Right. And male. Yeah. Mike, we're talking about, you know, we, the people, except for all these other people over here. Exactly. No, I agree. So, so that's, that's the heritage of our country, whether we like it or not, that's what this country was founded on. And we've been fighting against all that ever since, but you know, the second the last presidential election happened, um, I knew the community was going to be in for a fight this next couple of years just to stay where we were, right, and not lose any of the ground that we had previously gained. And it's been a hard fight. But there, there's a there's a great LGBTQ humorist. His name's Justin Sayer. And he did a thing right after the election. He said, we're all in the boat together. If we're a minority member, we are in the boat together. We have to care about uh, a Muslim girl who is being beaten for wearing her headdress, her head wrap. We have to care that there are swastikas in a public park, not five blocks away from a gay bar. And we have to care that there are still bombings going on in, in churches and nightclubs and all this stuff. It's all wrapped up. It, it's hatred of the other. Well, exactly. Whatever, whatever the other is, that's what it is. And if you're the majority, you feel like you have the power to deal with the other because they're here to do something negative to you, no matter what that is. And that's all insecurity and fear and hate. And it's all learned. You don't come out of a womb being a racist. You don't come out of the womb being homophobic. You don't come out of the womb being misogynistic. That's all learned behavior from our society, period. Oh, We can, we can all do better. We can all improve every day and be better than the day we were yesterday. You would hope so. And, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone, you know, has had mistakes in their past. Everyone's done stupid things. You know, when you were a kid or while you were a teenager or in your 20s, you try to grow past it and you try to be better yourself Mm -hmm. because of it. And that's what a lot of what we're going to be talking about tonight. And hopefully we can get some stuff across and treat everyone equally. And because we all are equal, no one is above each other. Um, the only way I'm above you guys is I'm the guy who hits record. So you are on the screen. Yeah, exactly. Well, so. I'm not going to, let's not touch that. Because <laughs> Darren's going huh? to take full advantage of that one. Totally. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I knew that was going to come. So, oh, God, I had to say that. Sorry. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Everything's a, uh, an innuendo. So, you know. Oh, trust me. I know. I know. I've worked I with you. I think what both of the, what the, both of y'all said is so, so important is when um, you both said um, you're, it's learned behavior, you're not born with it. I've often said, it's not always the case, but I've often said sometimes in the first 10 years of their life and the last 10 years of their life, people are really cool. I have seen a lot of kids, young, they're not, they're not racist. And I've seen a lot of old folks who when they get really old and they kind of get past all that young stuff where they're fighting for property and stuff, they're kind of cool or they've had time to learn. I've seen very, I mean, I've seen a lot of very old racists, but I've seen some very old, you know, people like in their eighties or nineties, they kind of, they kind of, they kind of sort of get past some of it and they kind of realize it's,
Did we lose Keith? He froze, froze, froze I think Keith froze on you. Keith froze. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he looks so wise there, though. It's I pretty know. awesome. <laughs> That was so yeah, weird. Am I still yeah. there? Am I on? You're, yeah, you're back. back. You're back. You're back. You're back. It was your okay. turn. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I think the thing you said about it's it's learned behavior, and I think the thing that kills people, I've seen my whole life, is if you just won't talk about it. And if you get offended and just say, I'm not a racist, don't call me a racist, or I'm not homophobic, don't call me homophobic. If you can't look in yourself and acknowledge that and just and move past it, it will kill you. I'll say, for example, my, my late father was born in Texas in the country in 1925. My dad was experimented on by the U.S. Army with a lot of other colored soldiers. He was exposed to live mustard gas to test gas masks. They did it on the colored soldiers and didn't tell them. So he ended up having to get out of the Army. When he tried to vote for the first time in Fort Worth, Texas, he was threatened with lynching. And then they tried to make him read to vote. Then they told him he had to have so much property to vote. And I remember one time my dad had to go get his car worked on. Something was going on with his car. And he said, yeah, they're going to they're gonna charge me. Right? And I said, why is that, Dad? He said, because, you know, those car repairmen are white. Man, don't ever trust a white man. This is what my dad told me, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad it went through crap. So having that attitude, even though he wasn't here, I'm going to say he wasn't prejudiced, but he was extremely cautious of white men. He had a reason to feel that way, given how he had been taught, given what he had gone through. But he did not teach me to be racist, even though he told me that time, don't ever trust a white man when he goes to take your car. And so, of course, I had to burn some of that out of me. You know, I go to the store, hey, I don't trust you, white man. You're going to you're going to you're going to screw me over. So even though I look at my dad's history, which is just extreme racism, extreme racism in Jim Crow, I had to burn some of my attitude toward, you know, white people because my dad had been treated horribly by them. And I had to burn out of myself the feeling that every time I look at a white guy, he's going to try to mess me over. So even I had my own biases, even though my heart, I would say, they're justified. Look what my dad went through. But then I had to still burn them out and try to learn to treat every person I see as an equal. And every person I see, I have to try to tell myself, when you meet them the first time, don't assume the worst make them show you that they're going to be bad. And that was a learned behavior I had to get out of my system as well. No, agreed. And, you know, it's, it's racism. It's, you know, we've had it against the Jews and, you know, growing up, you know, I had tons of folks, you know, when I was little, Oh, you're Jewish. You don't look it or, Oh, you know, you know, where's, and, you know, Judy's even had like one of her roommates that said, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, why? And said, cause you're not going to heaven because, oh, you're yes. you know, mm. and Keith, you and I've talked about, we've talked about when we've yeah. run out to dinner and stuff. Right. And it's just, it's just, it's horrible. The things, you know, I, and I'm going to admit something right here. You know, my first wife, William's mom came from a very, ignorant background to put it nicely Mm -hmm. and you know i had my ex-mother-in-law convinced that at my wedding we were supposed to sacrifice a goat (laughs) (laughs) that was mean mike faber that was just me it it, it was it was she thought we were going to do it at the service (laughs) up until up until the day before the wedding wow you know and literally but she believed it and yeah and it just shows this day and age, there's still so much ignorance. And, oh, totally. <laughs> and, yeah. And, well, I mean, that's that's one of the problems is that 
people sometimes just refuse to educate themselves. They live in a little bubble. And that's one of the reasons why, getting back to our topic a little bit, you know, those stories of diversity are so important. We have topics? Yeah. yeah, Believe it or not. Because you have to expose yourself to other voices. Absolutely. In order to get past that. And, and, Absolutely. Yeah. and, and from my, my, you know, my, my with it is you have to go out of, out of your way to do so. Um, we, so, um, cause we, exactly. Am I still, am I still, shit. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Max Hendrum. Don't make me laugh. I can do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Say it's the real thing <laughs> for a new generation. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's not right. Uh, but, um, uh, <laughs> um, well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I should bother making a point now. now. Um, <laughs> if you can hear me and, uh, okay. yeah, we can hear you. We can yeah, hear you. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. So, uh, well, I'll go on. And if it's too bad, just let me know. But, um, you know, you know, we go when we are, our other Facebook live and we did stories of hope. Um, you know, it was pointed out after that to me, um, that, you know, most, you know, most stories are, are uh, white, white male stories. And, uh, I took that to heart and I said, that's right. We should really make an effort to include more, uh, diverterial, um, in, in, in our topics. And it's particularly one, you know, because it's so relevant now and so important that we that there are stories of hope out there that there are stories of celebration of diversity that there are stories of uh, inspiration and representation um but, but oh, when i did some recent research on it and i started thinking, thinking about like man these stories are, are really hard to come by uh especially when you're talking about positive examples now there's a lot of inspirational stories out there and, and, and stories that are very dramatic and, and important about um, all cultures, but a lot of them are really intense and negative. And I'm saying that they're uh, necessarily bad movies or these are stories, but as far as being inspirational and being celebratory, there's, there's not a lot of those out there. Um, and I think there needs to be more, more. And I'm, I'm really curious to you guys, if you guys have thought about it and if you guys have come up with some stories, particularly that you guys either grew up with or identify with, with that um, can, can help help out when they're try, trying to find stories that can uh, help them understand the other point of view. Wow. You know, you know, like, uh, uh, and in, in a positive, positive, I mean, for, for an, ex, you know, uh, uh, I, I will say, um, one of the things I was thinking about as an example for me, uh, that, that, that happened just this week and it's, it's a light example and it's not, it's not really intense or anything, but, but it's something that I was thinking about, about, I thought about differently while watching it this time, uh, was the, the um, I, I think it's 1943 movie, uh, it was on Turner, Turner classic movies. It's called stormy weather. And they, uh, uh, yes, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Um, and and is a, it shines a spotlight on some biggest and most talented stars of the era. Um, and you, you know, unless you're really, really paying attention, I think, because you're, unless you're like, you know, I'm, I've been so caught up usually in the, in the internet value of it. It took a while to realize, hey, there's there's actually white people in this movie. Like, like it's, it's just, it's pure. 
but but um there it's it, it's full of ta- talented people that i don't even even know to this day are as far as recognized as some of the best the best in the biz that they, they should have been and that that movie proves it you know like about lena horn you're talking about, I, I think um, you i think you've got the part uh robinson you're talking about the um <laughs> Uh, the uh, Callaway, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I, there's a great dance number um, too. Um, there's so it's, it's it's such a musical. It's such such a feel good movie. I don't know why it it is not on. More, well, I guess I I know it's not on more more people's lists, but it's 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 seems to me that it's it's it should be more people's list to watch. No, oh, agreed, agree completely. And Mike, you sound horrible. Sorry, dude. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. you got your point across. Oh, you did. But yeah, you definitely did. But yeah, there's, you know, very interesting, you know, Stormy Weathers is a really big classic there when it comes to that type of stuff. And, you know, it's just it's just interesting to you know when you think about it because I was even going a little more lighthearted when I first started thinking about you know stories and there's like I was like looking online you know and putting in and most of the stories that I found were all kids books and everything which was really interesting that it was mostly children's stories when I like stories about diversity and it was just and it was just how much inclusion was with that and even talked about Sesame street and how, you know, they've since the very beginning, they didn't see any color. They didn't see any sex, anything like that. It was all one and you had kids playing together, kids in hope. And that was wonderful, you know, and that was one of the cool things about it was, you know, what you had up there was everybody all together. And, you know, it's just, it's just interesting to see that, you know, you had people sometimes talking Spanish together or, you know, or, you know, you had white and black couples living together or, you know, in Ernie and Bert's case, you know, orange and yellow, (laughs) which is pretty awesome. Hey, don't be picking on Bert and Ernie. Bert Bert has suffered enough. Hey, that's was you know my first gay couple, so it's okay. Pretty much, pretty much. That was everybody's first gay couple. Everybody's first gay couple. Followed by Timon and Pumbaa, who raised a child by themselves. Good point. Thank you, Disney. That's what Hakuna Matata means. Hakuna Matata. Oh my, that's funny. But yeah, and it, so it was just interesting, you know, that, you know, going through that and I went through like an hour worth of searching and searching and it was just, I loved the amount of kids books that were out there. It was just awesome to see that. And, you know, and just even, you know, you know, growing up, you know, this is going to some of the sex ed books that I had, but it was like, there was this one book called What's Happening to Me. It was about puberty. And it was talking about puberty and started getting into sex and everything. And they, they touched on, you know, sometimes you're attracted to people who don't, who are just like you, or sometimes who are very different than you. And it just, you just never know. And it's just, it's just awesome. 
Here. Yeah, we didn't have those books in the deep south. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they did, they were it's... part of the burnings, I guess. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we right. had hellfire and damnation preachers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew... that was our sex ed in the south. Right. I mean, I I grew up in in the Panhandle of Florida, which is basically South Georgia, mm-hmm. and it it's a scary place. Heart yes, candy. Yeah, I mean, there were Klan rallies downtown when I was growing up. It's in, It was insane. And uh, I I mean, I was a queer woman. I was pretty obvious. I had my tires slashed. I, I was the victim of violence. I, you know, that's, that's what happened when you were growing up in the South uh, to a lot of people. But I do, I remember when, the first thing I thought of actually when, when you asked me to, to do this was what stories shaped me growing up. And actually the first, the first one that came to mind, uh, which was really more as when I was a young adult, was Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower. And Octavia Butler uh, was an African-American woman who, uh, who we lost way too soon. She died when she was only 58, but she wrote just gripping, powerful stories. Her, um, her main characters were almost always black women, which still is hard to find in, in science fiction literature. And uh, unfortunately, every time you read something about her, it will always say Octavia Butler, black female science fiction writer. Well, which Octavia Butler was a great writer. Uh, she won uh, several awards, but I mean, Parable of the Sower is, is um, about a young woman who, she, she's in an apocalyptic society. This will sound familiar. The society has collapsed due to climate change, uh, wealth inequality, and corporate greed. <laughs> you mean outside? <laughs> Right exactly. <laughs> and she grows up in what sort of rem- the remnants of a gated community, which is overrun and her family's killed. And so, and all of this shapes her and her belief system. And, um, and she, she grows up to, to start a movement called Earthseed, where she professes that God is change which means you shape God by shaping yourself because God is ever changing. You are ever changing. And it's, it's an extremely powerful book and a powerful voice. And, um, and I could relate to it because I didn't have the experience of a black woman, but I had the experience of an outcast. And, but I'm not sure if, if I hadn't read that, um, I'm not sure that I would have become as open to other voices as as young as I did because all my my experiences growing up had closed me off and that opened my eyes. And so I mean it's just it just shows you how how important it is to have stories with with representation of people other than yourself. Absolutely Mary, I think about um to you know to throw out the obvious um science fiction I, I actually think so much about the, in Star Trek, the Vulcan concept of the idic, the infinite diversity and infinite combination. And I think the original quote was infinite diversity and infinite combination constituting all the things from which truth and beauty arise, which is why, for example, the, 
in, um, in gay culture, the rainbow is represented because you have all these different colors, you have all these different ideas. And I agree with you. And I think that what happens is people see the other is it's different and it's scary. And they don't realize that those two different flavors or those two different colors, they, they merge together to make something, make something wonderful. Um, you were talking about um, looking within, even again, my case, I'm growing up a black man dealing with racism, parents deal with horrible racism. My late father was a preacher and he was raised in a very traditional southern religion you know you, you believe these things and i remember when i was very 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 young just being a kid on one day i asked my dad i said dad what's going to happen to muslims and my dad said they're going to go to hell i said what do you mean they're going to go to hell well they're not christians they're going to hell i said that doesn't make any sense he goes well, that's what the bible said if you don't believe in jesus christ you're going to hell i said well what if you've never like like if, you're, if you're raised Muslim your whole life that's your normal just like christianities are normal and my dad's belief was if you ever hear the word of God, you know, whether it's on TV or Pat, you know, Pat Roberts or Jimmy Swaggart comes by and you hear the word of God, which was, <laughs> which was the truth, and you rejected that truth, you're convicted, which was basically no matter how you were raised, if you heard somebody talk about Jesus somewhere, then you heard the pure truth. And if you rejected that pure truth, that's it. You're going to hell. And now this is my dad who is dealt with incredible racism. But he was also raised Christian. And then, you know, I could now I could go on this whole other screed about, you know, my where I would what I would have been worshiping if I'd been raised in Africa. And there's a whole other thing about black people who, who criticize Christianity for what it did to black people. But even there, there's isn't that the irony there mm-hmm. that here my dad, an incredible guy, and he had I will tell you, he does he didn't have that problem. Like he would talk to Muslims or anything like that. But if you ask him, well, yeah, you're gonna go to hell. And then same thing. I asked him, what about Jewish people? He's like, well, if they don't believe in Jesus, they got to go. Like, dude. And so we used to get into arguments about that. Here I am, seven or eight years old. And then my dad, his color notwithstanding, he was a man from the South, man from the country. So if I'm eight years old, I'm questioning the Bible. Next thing you know, my mom's telling me I'm going to go to hell because I'm questioning the Bible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now my incredibly open-minded parents who raised me to be incredibly open-minded well, they say, hey, don't question that Bible key. You're getting ready to go to hell too. So <laughs> we all have these blinders on that we're raised with. Mm-hmm. And you're right. We all have to open ourselves up because otherwise we'll, we'll, we'll run in this lane. And I will tell you, being a black man who can, I can tell I can give you a hundred stories of the racism I dealt with in my life. And sometimes it's almost like, I'm good. You know, I've got the stuff, I've got the um, oppressing angle down. I've got the angle of being hurt down. So sometimes it's like, and therefore, if I have some weird ideas, you can't say anything to me because I'm black. I've been through this stuff. We all have things that we have to learn, which is why we do have to talk to other people and other cultures and other beliefs, structures. We all have lanes we run in, I think. Yeah, I think it's just, we're all trying to break out of that bubble. Exactly. And it's also way society you know, almost makes us think and feel too. Right. And you almost have to fight against that in a lot of ways. Right. That's a very good point. It's almost like, it's it's almost like this crust of bread that we're all fighting over. We all want our, we want our little turf. Well, exactly. And that's the thing when you have your, you know, basically like your parents who Mm -hmm. you would think would be very open-minded and then they do this and, you know, they don't want to break their thinking, even though they don't think their way is bad. Right. Or anything. 
And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just crazy how that comes up. There was a time in my life that, you know, you know, we had a lot of different people coming into our house, friends, aunts, (laughs) different aunts and uncles, take it however you want. And basically we had all nationalities, all sexes, whatever coming into our home and it was normal to us. And you'd think with my parents being raised by that, it was, you know, okay. And then it ended up that when I met, was met, like back to marrying my first wife, um, my best man was going to be this gentleman named Dan. And he was African-American. And my mom had a fit because of it. Mm. And I was shocked. I was completely mm-hmm. Completely. It was like, are you sure you want him to be your best man? Don't you want your friend David, who's Jewish, to be your best man? It's like, no, no, I don't. You know, and it's just, it, but it's just, it's just crazy that, you know, you, you think people who are so open have right. this thing going on. Everyone's we, got their thing. Everybody's got a thing. You know, you just try to sweep it underneath the rug and try to hide it for company when they come over. But eventually (laughs) it's going to come out. It creeps out. It does. It creeps out. You go, oh, that's the real you. I see you now. Thank you so much for the introduction. Oh, exactly. (laughs) And that's the craziness about it. It's just like, damn, you know, mom, dad, what are you doing? You know, and everything. one of my favorite episodes, All in the Family, was when, when back when the Jeffersons lived in the neighborhood. You oh, know, yeah. and, 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 oh, they, they were next door neighbors. What do you mean? Yeah. Right. And, remember, and the guy who, I don't know, the guy, the, the actor who played George Fresh the first time he was replaced, there was this whole thing where they were arguing, same old thing about George talking about colored people moving into the neighborhood, or, or Archie talking about colored people moving into the neighborhood, him and George are getting at it, and they're fighting and stuff like that. And Archie's telling me, we don't need any more of you colored people coming in here. And they're going fighting and fighting and fighting. And there was um, somebody else moving into the neighborhood. And Archie said, oh, my God, it better not be another colored person. And George said, I hope it is another colored person. You need to know this. And then it turned out it was a Puerto Rican family. And then George, the black man, is like, oh, wait a minute. No, we can't have no Puerto Ricans in the neighborhood. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. And so now George and, and Archie are on the same page. Like, no, they're going to be robbing stuff. And no, I'm going to trust them. It was a great show. Uh, <laughs> but it's exactly what you're talking about. Everybody has something under the rug. Mm-hmm, exactly. I, I wish we could actually, like, force everyone to sit down for a day and watch All in the Family. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, yes. Because you couldn't make that show now. Oh, There's no. no way it would get on TV. But there are so many life lessons in that show. Absolutely. where you you bring the ugliness up front you actually talk about it you know it's there well exactly why well, is it true. there why are we accepting this still in society they were talking about that in the 1970s archie yes. bunker was a pure out bigot and mm-hmm. you know and it was just it was just amazing that they were able to bring that through but you know i don't even i don't even really think they softened him over time he just had to deal with it in some way no no he saw he got his own show, show he saw and it, it was it was he's not the, not the same on Archie. the art bunker that's in archie bunker's place is not yeah. the same arch credits yeah he got watered down i think every season season um uh you know because because you would have to you would hope that he, he would learn right so so you mean he would have to have to grow and plus i don't think it was a, it was a double sword because he was become, becoming so popular 
keep quoting him, not realizing yes. that they shouldn't be, be quoting him. Like, yeah. like, I mean, I knew people who are, you know, you know damn, <laughs> they, they are, they are bigots and they, they think Archie Bunker is a hero. Oh, yeah, that's no. horrible. Well, well, yeah. that's because they didn't watch the entire episode. Well, they no, just they chose, didn't chose understand to watch. it. Or, 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 they yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, they they just you know they didn't they didn't realize they they you'd be laughing thing at him, like Archie should be not not somebody you're laughing thing and you think is amusing. He he should be somebody you're disgusted by. Oh, he's, exactly. He's not the hero of that story. Eden right. is the hero right. of that story. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's funny as hell. The very first episode, his daughter brings home a Jewish boy. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, like, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Bob Reiner. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I forgot that he was Jewish. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, right in his face right away, which is amazing to think mm-hmm. and everything. One of the other stories I was thinking about for this topic, and I was talking to Judy about it, it was just like, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you mean Santa? Yeah, you exactly. mean, and you mean Santa Claus the bigot? Yeah, I know yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Now, get back in that shop and get to work, you know. Exactly. But I want, I want to be a dentist. <laughs> That's a Which great just, one, Mike. You that know, Rudolph just one. proves that you are only useful to society when they can exploit yes. what makes you special. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, exactly. Because you know, because <laughs> so. he was completely, you know, exploited for it. And look at sports. Look at you know, acting and society and music. You know. You could be different, but you know you're entertaining us. You're welcome for, as long as you're yes. entertaining us. Yeah, I'm sure there are hundreds of actors out there who whose careers got stopped dead in their tracks because they were told you have to be straight. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't have this action lead role if you're if we can uncover all this stuff about you and People Magazine and National Enquirer and Us Magazine are going to be all up in you going. Hey, look the the leading blockbuster man is uh, actually gay. You know that's that's not going to fly. Rock Hudson, Rock Hudson. Yeah. 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 Rock yeah. Hudson. Well, then, then they Absolutely. go out and find you a wife. Yeah. Who is yeah. the other, the other yes. one? Is it, is it Tab Tab Hunter? Tab Hunter. Tab Hunter. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's there several were a lot guys. of them. There yeah. were a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Tab Hunter. It's been said about Clark Gable and Cary Grant. Um, yep. Uh, Wally Cox and Robert De Niro, evidently, it's been said by several people. Wally Cox, remember the comedic actor was on a lot of mm-hmm. Disney movies? Oh, evidently, yeah. he, he and Robert, um, uh, uh, gosh, he and Marlon Brando were roomies. And uh, it's uh, it's been said too many times to kind of deny that people said they were actually lovers. Yeah, I believe it. Well, yeah, so, yes. But, yeah, I, I was right, going to say Robert De, Robert De Niro, no. No. Yeah, yeah, another Marlon Brando. But yeah, to your yeah. point, you wouldn't. I mean, I was honestly, I was like in my twenties, my late twenties, for I knew Rock Hudson was gay. I, to your point, I didn't know. You know, I watched mm-hmm. all the movies. I watched Giant. I'm a Texan. I watched Giant. I watched Macmillan and Wife, where he was with Susan St. James. I mm-hmm. had no clue. I think I didn't know until he got AIDS. Like and, most in the country. That, yeah. yeah, that's that's when it's when it went public, and everybody had yeah. to face it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like Rock Hudson was gay. That wasn't the story. The story was, oh, my God, he's about to kiss Linda Evans on primetime TV. Yes. What, what about her? Exactly. Right. You know, that was all the concerns. Like, oh, my gosh. And you can go down the list. Freddie Mercury was forced out of the closet, even though he was playing with that sexuality thing when he got AIDS. 
Arthur Ashe got AIDS. Yeah. All the celebrities who got AIDS, AIDS is one of the absolute worst things that could ever happen to the gay community at the time that it struck. And unfortunately, it was also one of the best because it forced people out of the closet. You mm. couldn't hide it. It was there. There was a lot of that. There's there was no way to hide it when suddenly you've lost fifty pounds and you look like a skeleton. What what are you gonna say? Oh, mm-hmm. I got pneumonia. No, that's not what pneumonia looks like. It was way worse than that. Mm-hmm. And you know that's really when the gay community came together. I mean, the, the Stonewall riot was one thing, but I came up in the '80s when sex as a gay man equals a death sentence pretty much. So you had to really be careful about who you were with, but the lesbians and the gays were not exactly best of buds back then. And it was the lesbians who swooped in and took care of a lot of the gay brothers who got sick. Sure. A lot of them. No, that and that really bound the group together as we are, we are all queer in the same boat and we're going to row together to get to a better place with this. So it, it takes trials to get through stuff like that. That's very interesting because I will tell you in the black community, one of the things that happened with the um, with the um, the AIDS crisis was as a lot of black men that were gay or black men that were straight that were using drugs, you know, intravenous drug mm-hmm. use, who got mm-hmm. a lot of AIDS. Uh, and I know I don't know if this is the case in the gay community, but I know in the black community, what people would say kind of bitterly was that no one started caring about AIDS when it was gay people and it was black men who they thought were just no good drug users. Mm-hmm. But it was when that, that, that young boy, Ryan White, got AIDS. You remember Ryan him? White, the hemophiliacs, yeah. 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 yeah, the young white guy. And my heart, and here's the thing, that is not, yeah, there's no, it's not like this is a competition. My God, the boy, no. the boy got AIDS. But trust me, in the black community, it was like, and it was like, oh, now this pure, young, frankly, let's be honest, white boy got it. Not a black man, not a gay man, not a drug totally. user. And there was some bitterness in the black community. It's like, oh, now you pay attention to it. And then you mentioned Arthur Ashe. Um, he helped. Mm-hmm. But even that was frustrating because Arthur Ashe was this highly educated, rich, incredibly popular tennis player mm-hmm. who got it. And, and, and I'll be honest, this, and then this gets back to the weirdness. Some people in the black community would say this. Well, he wasn't gay. He got it through a blood transfusion. As if had he been gay, it, was it would almost have been like okay. He did, Right. Yeah, he deserved right. it, or he said he deserved it. Yeah, Remember that? there was a designing yeah. women's show on in the eighties, and it was called "Killing All the Right People," mm-hmm. and the ladies oh. were doing this I funeral exactly. for a guy who had AIDS. And there's this big blow up about uh, this woman who's a customer comes in and she discovers this, and she says, "Well, I think this disease has got one thing going for it: it's killing all the right people." And that's wow. what people thought back wow. then. It was blunt. It was right there. And then Julia Sugarbaker does a typical Julia Sugarbaker tirade and says that if God was giving out sexually transmitted diseases as a punishment for sinning, we would all be in the clinic, you know, exactly. because really throw the first stone. It's that whole thing. But because people take queerness and say, I will never do that because that is abhorrent to me, it puts queer people in the special place of, you're definitely not part of the straight group. You are way over here. Let's ostracize you because you, you're not part of our club period because what you do, they can't think about homosexuals without thinking about what homosexuals do. And we will cross the bridge later of how gay sex <laughs> turns them off and lesbian sex turns them on according to their porn. That's a whole other issue, right? Well, their perception of lesbian exactly, sex. Exactly, the perception <laughs> of it. That's right. But 
but it's all being filmed through a straight male gaze, right? <laughs> right. So it's right, right there. Yeah, cute and, hot tub, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know it, hot tub and champagne and strawberries. That's how that works all the time. <laughs> and, um, there you go, Mike. Put that aside and go, this is a disease that is killing people. And until that kid got AIDS, yeah. no one gave a crap. Yeah. It, period. That's well, I, history. Period. Yeah, I remember the one of the big slogans when ACT UP started, and the big slogan was "Silence equals death." Yeah. Yep. Because you know that that's when I think gay people really learned. Well, if we if we stay quiet, we die. Pretty much, yes. And we 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 had our liberation with Stonewall, but then we had to find our anger really quickly. Right. Oh, sure, of right. course. And then you you just get to a point. I mean. After going to so many funerals in a month, and I used to hate going to Pride because that's when it was before the internet. You would find out who died at Pride. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's a great celebration. Oh, here's a list of 15 people that you knew last year who aren't going to be here this mm-hmm. year. If you're lucky, it was just 15. Yeah, and that's you know, it's like oh man, they they bought it. It's I had tons of friends, especially working in the art and theater community, it was all the time. And in the late eighties, early nineties, it was everywhere, especially like when I was working with fringe theater in Seattle, it was like people were dropping like flies still. It was, it was horrible. And Mike, I have, um, I was thinking about what we were talking about. If we talk about positive stories of, you know, diversity and, and I think, um, and I, I think it was Mary who said hope. If we talk about hope, mm-hmm. ironically, um, even though I'm, I'm in my fifties, my first positive story of diversity was when I was six years old, which is funny because I was raised, you know, right in Fort Worth, Texas, when racism was still very rampant. Um, I, I was, um, my first, the first time I ever went to school was first grade. I didn't go to kindergarten, anything like that. I just, I left the house one day and went to first grade and I was raised in a black neighborhood and I had pretty much only seen white people by going to the store. My, my neighborhood was black. My church was black. My dentist was black. My lawyer was, our family, family's lawyer was black. So I go to school first grade, first time I've ever been to any kind of school, walk into the school this kid walks up to me because he's a white kid, a little white boy with a tooth, you know, gap tooth with like Opie. And he just walks up to me and he goes, hey, what's your name? I said, my name's Keith. My name's Kevin. We're friends. Bam. That was it. That's all. And <laughs> that was it. And I had never talked to a white kid in my life. And I, he told me later, he'd never talked to a black kid. But what bonded us was the first day in school, we both got in trouble for talking and we both got sent home with notes. <laughs> and <laughs> we're talking and, the, and unfortunately you guys probably couldn't guess the rest of my school career my report cards always read excellent student polite young man won't stop talking and <laughs> but the, the first encounter I had with another white person was a guy who became my friend in first grade and I think that is such a, a thing of hope. And then another example I have also, it wasn't fulfilled because there were still decades of mess to go through. And the other thing for me that was, a, that was a sign of incredible hope and diversity, this is a big deal for Black people, was when I was growing up, there was a saying in the Black community, it was a joke, but it was true. Every time there was a Black person on television, people would tell everybody, there's a Black person on television, and everybody would run into the room to see it because it was so rare. So, and, you know, unless they were like a you know, slave or a a servant or mailman or something. 
And every time there's a black person on television, that was a joke. They go, hey, there's a black person on television. We'd run in and watch television. And I remember the first, one of the first times I saw a black person on television that meant so much to me and gave me hope was uh, Dr. Richard Daystrom on Star Trek. Um, oh, yeah. Of yeah, course. Ultimate yeah. Computer. Because mm-hmm. this was, you know, some people can't, re- can't relate, but trust me, in the 1960s or the 70s when I saw it, that was a big, big, big deal to have a black man who was not small. He was a big physical presence. He was both physically imposing, handsome man, and was spoken of in the same breath as Isaac Einstein, as Albert Einstein in those times. I mean, Daystrom was literally one of the most brilliant people in modern Federation history. Back in the 60s and 70s, seeing that, that, that just wasn't shown on television. And just even seeing Daystrom, and that name goes throughout Star Trek. You always hear about the Daystrom Institute. And even though, you know, he like went nuts in the end because of the, the M5 unit, <laughs> you know, his, his, his work is still the basis, as they say, for the duotronics and all the systems in Starfleet. That was huge for me back in the day. And that actually gave me hope. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for babbling, but one more thing. I got to go back to Star Trek, the Star Trek episode Court Martial, when Kirk is called up for killing uh, Ben Finney mm-hmm. and he goes, mm-hmm. to a star fa- he goes to a star base and is put on trial. Well, there is a black man who's running the star base and the black man, there's a scene where he tells Kirk, he says, Kirk, look, not a, not one man in a million can do what we have done, command a starship. So I'm sitting here as a kid watching a black man yell at a white man who, over whom he has authority, who is a, a base commander and a former starship commander. And trust me that you just didn't see that back in those days. Those are stories of diversity that gave me hope because I thought if they can show it there in fiction, it can happen one day in real life. And I never thought, I have never thought I was inferior to anybody, but I realized maybe other people can realize I'm not inferior to them too. No, I agree. But even think about how much controversy there was when Aurora Aurora and Kirk kissed for the Mm -hmm. first time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And everything. And, you know, how, you know, huge it was and how, you know, to us, you know, going and back and watching it in reruns and stuff. It's like, oh, no big deal. Because right. you know, we had seen it tons of times on other You shows. know why it wasn't a big deal after the fact? Because if you're growing up in the 70s and 80s, you had seasons of the Jeffersons. Well, yeah. Right? And you had the Willises. You right. had an interracial couple on TV as part of that sitcom block. And you saw them every week. That's why it was no big right. deal to yeah. us. Right. It wasn't like... Oh, this one kiss. Oh, but it's like, you've got this entire couple. They're married. They have kids. You know, the whole construct was right there. So the whole question of interracial relationships of that was kind of put away after you have a regular interracial couple on on a show. Now, mind you, could we have used more of that? Heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. it still took decades for those things to, I think, become where they didn't raise as many eyebrows. But mm-hmm. those were those were positive stories of diversity. And a, a, an interesting side note about that episode, Plato's stepchildren were Kirk and Uhura kissed. The irony was because they were still scared of it. You remember that the kiss was basically forced. Yeah, it wasn't romantic. It, it, it wasn't like, natural. Right. 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 But still hope. Still hope. And I and I, I didn't want to be cliched and go to Star Trek, but those things, especially Dr. Cochran and um and the commander of the Starfleet, that 
for me as a black man back when that just wasn't seen, that meant mm-hmm. a lot. So a lot of people say Will Smith and Independence Day was a big deal because the black man saved the earth. For me, I go back to Richard Daystrom, a guy who was spoken of in the same breath as Albert Einstein. That's a mm-hmm. big deal for me. That's a big deal, yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. In her, in Hura's defense, who wants to kiss their boss anyway? No, this is gross. But you know, I mean, Star Trek is usually at the forefront of the, those talks because of yeah. uh, the history, the history they have with it, and 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 quite rightly so too. I mean, you know, you hear Nichelle. I've heard Nichelle Nichols speak about about how how she wanted to give up the role because it wasn't that satisfying creatively, right. but yet she couldn't because of what she was representing. Mm-hmm. And, and then that certainly led that into, you know, Avery Brooks taking taking the role in D Space Nine later on. Later on, so he knew how important that was. Absolutely. Sometimes just being seen, although it, it sucks, but yeah, you're right, Mike. Because I know, as you, I know you've heard the story. Martin Luther King asked Nichelle Nichols to stay on the show. Yep. yep, yep. Um, and I, if you ever watch an episode, it is um, the Corbomite maneuver. And I swear, even as a kid, when you listen to her, the only line she has in the entire show is hailing frequencies open. And she says it like 10 times. And Mm -hmm. I swear toward the end of the show, Michelle Nichols sounds like she's bored and tired. I mean, she goes hailing frequencies open, sir. So you can just hear that she's upset. But for those times, having the black woman on the bridge, even though she didn't get the, you know, the, the roles that she deserved on that show, just having her show up there was a big deal. Symbols are very important. But then to your point, at some point in time, you, they can't just be symbols. They have to be active. You know, they have to, yeah. you have to use them, right? How many shows from the 60s and 70s had a, a gay character, Billy Crystal playing the gay character on soap? Oh, and they, you know, mm. see what I mean? And then people <laughs> just, would pat themselves, they would pat themselves on the back and say, hey, we got a gay character, but this is incredible cliche. And then sometimes, like with Uhura... You mean the gay character that they turned straight in the second season? Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's right. But to your point, you know, you, you, you start somewhere, but then you have to keep fighting. And I think that's where we are in this moment is we're having to push through it again because a lot of people think, hey, gosh, you guys had a black president, although I call him a president of color because he's half white. You know, you got a president of, the, you got a president of the color. What are you complaining about? Well, you got to keep pushing through. You have to keep pushing mm-hmm. through all the time. And America's on a, a pendulum anyway. Yes. The, the backlash was going to happen. Right. Every time there's a civil rights victory, it feels like you take two steps back, like Absolutely. pretty much immediately after. And you right. just have to prepare for that backlash. I mean, when, when gay marriage got passed by the Supreme Court, we were all bracing ourselves. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. And sure enough, people started getting married in droves. And then in 38 states, they began to get fired in droves because you can fire someone for being gay back then. You yep. can't now. Because we just got that passed through the Supreme Court right. two years ago, shockingly. Um, but back then, you could get married on Saturday, come to work on Monday, and be fired because you told your HR person that Jack is now married to Jason. Mm-hmm. No, so that's that, true. Was, that would be it. That'd be it. You'd be done. And I do take issue with Star Trek on this on the queer issue, queer being like the you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. the umbrella term, um, because they always handled sexuality via alien metaphor. I'm like humans have sexuality kirk was humping everything that moved and i get why there wasn't a queer storyline in the original classic star trek that was a bridge too far back then but next gen ds9 all the way through it was very much like here's this alien race specifically the ish, the episode where Riker falls in love with this person on the planet you know they're not going to get together at the end of the episode because Riker's got to be free to do this again in another three episodes but 
they had a genderless society. That's what I was just about to think yes, of. Yes, I was thinking of that too. Yep. And yep. so they, they profess their love to Riker and it's a very tender scene. And then before the end of the episode, this alien has been reprogrammed to join the genderless society. Great right. positive message for queer people there, Star Trek. Yeah, I mm-hmm. find that episode infuriating because a lot of people have pointed it as, oh, look how great that episode no, was. That there was queer representation. No, uh-huh. no, there was not. No. And then, and then you have Crusher with the, what was it, the trill? The yeah. first trill. Yes. Yeah. And yes. she, couldn't, she yes. couldn't cross that line. It's like, there you go. Thank, thanks, Star Trek. It's always through an alien. Human mm-hmm. beings are queer. All you do is have O'Brien walk into his quarters and instead of Kieko, have a guy there. Done. See, you, you said something very interesting to me, and I think that points out about how we all need to learn things. Because when I saw that episode of Star Trek where Riker fell in love with the lady from the genderless society, and at the end they wiped her, it was a sad episode. But I thought it was a powerful episode because even though this is Star Trek, in a weird way, because it had a, it had a an unhappy ending, I kind of felt, well, that's what happens in life sometimes. You know what I mean? It's not like I didn't like it, but I thought, well, this is this is the truth of what happens sometimes in life because um, basically they didn't win. But y'all make a very good point, the same point I've kind of made about Black people being on screen, which is, especially at that time, how many characters that were supposed to be gay or standing for gay that you have on screen? Mm-hmm. And so for you, seeing that person not be able to fill uh, their life, their their happiness would be like me having the exact same feeling because I don't know if y'all know this. There's a joke in the black community that black people always got killed first in movies. It's yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know the joke, yeah. right? There, there's a trope <laughs> called bury your gaze. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. the same. It's the same it's thing the in the gay thing. community. I um, didn't know any of this. This is fascinating. Handicap too. I didn't know any of this. If you're in a horror movie in your wheelchair, yeah, you're. You're well, gone. Fascinating. Again, if well, you are a minority member, wow, do yeah. not sign up to do a horror movie. Well, You're dead. J- but just, then again, but just think about it though. Also, amazing. you had Blazing Saddles, which basically smacked all that in the face too. Yeah, all yeah. the well, tropes. Yeah. You know, you basically, you know, oh, let's send the, you know, send the coloreds out to go find the quicksand. You <laughs> oh, know, yes, yeah. that's no, so, don't oh. don't send a couple of horses; those no. are expensive. Exactly. You know? And Mel Mel Brooks could not do that movie today. Yeah, no, absolutely no. no, absolutely not. Strange to think that that you know that we are less evolved about like free to show like, like stuff like that now than they were, than they were then um i will say it's, it seems like you know the diversity factor on the outset seems like it's not as much of an issue it almost seems like like every show has got multiple colors multiple um uh race races and and sexual orientation is represented but we'll say that that in a lot of cases it feels feels like users are just just checking off box they're like oh yeah do we have a person oh do we do we have a black person oh do we do we have like and then and and the day they're going going okay good if they're not, not really talking about about it in a way or representing them in ways that i think matter the one one exception to that i think uh is there's a show on netflix called called sense it. um mm-hmm. yeah it's a weirdly really written show it's by the wakowskis uh uh and, um, um, you know, it, it's, I, I can't say the most consistently good show, but I will say in terms of, of its makeup, its characters, it's one of the, 
most amazingly open shows that I've ever, ever seen as far as, as presentation and it feels like it, it it's the first it's the first show that I've ever seen that, that feel like it's taking place on the planet Earth um, because it deals with eight people who are, who are slightly connected and each one of those persons in a, is, in a, is in a different tree. They're a different race. They're different, different orientation. They're just, they're com- completely different people. And they all have to, to experience things uh, together uh, to get through, through this ordeal. And it, it, and they learn, and it's an, an amazing, it's an amazing concept. I don't, I don't know if it all, it, it actually, you know, I'm not successfully does that concept all the, all the time, but I, watch that show i feel like it it's actually the first show that i've ever seen seen takes place like, like on this planet presents a lot of them mike you said you made a very interesting point i thought was great that you raised which was and this is what we we're talking about for example i said the guys just educated me tonight about that quote-unquote gay character on star trek because i thought it was a kind of a weak show but i thought you know me being a black man used to black people having dealt with crap all their our lives I was like, well, it sucks that they wiped her mind, but it was kind of like real life. It's almost like a DS9 story, not a TNG story. But, <laughs> but, but the guys just educated me on, they were like, well, hey, great. The character is supposed to be gay. You didn't give to them to what you know they would have wanted from a, a kind of gay character. And the point you just made, I think, is so true, which is this is why people, people get frustrated. This is why people call for diversity behind the camera and diversity in the writing room. Because to your point, you can just stick a black person in a room and I've seen this on television. I look at that and I go, "That's not a real black person. That's a black person with that's a that's a that's a person who just happens to have black skin." And I'm sure my great my gay brothers and sisters will feel that way. And if I wrote a gay character, now frankly, maybe I would write the gay character a little more tragic or a little more militant or something because it's based on my experiences as a black man. But and can I could I write a, a fully realized gay character? I'd like to think so, but I'm not gay, so I'm gonna miss something. So I think you made a very good point about when people check off boxes, you've got to have people who've mm-hmm. walked that walk to tell that story fully. Mm-hmm. And that's well, what's really what's going on right yeah. now in a lot of our media is queer baiting. What's these characters, these, these characters will go right up to the edge mm-hmm. and then the, something will happen in the story that will cause them not to consummate the queerness of the moment. Oh, they play with it. That they're playing, they're teasing right. you with it. Teen Wolf was really bad about that. Oh, Teen Wolf was terrible about Zena that. Xena was really bad about it between Xena mm-hmm. and Gabrielle. Yeah. Will I mean, they, won't they, or did they? Will they, won't they, will they, won't they? They never will because no. they know the second they do, the queer people will be cheering, but you've lost all the straight audience. You know, and that's why it's it's a tease to keep the queer yeah community involved in their show and they know darn well what they're doing it's not a secret <laughs> do you do you find that mostly in fantasy and sci-fi and such or? you can find it on almost any yeah show. i think it's on i think it's everywhere well, especially these days mm-hmm. yeah it's very prevalent well exactly you know why didn't they just make captain jack on doctor who straight out gay instead of him just sleeping with everything. He's pansexual. Yeah, he I am with, fine with him with being pansexual. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't don't think I don't think you can keep John John Berman down like that though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Bear. I think if Berman had a problem with that role, you would have heard about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I, I got, I have he a doesn't keep he quiet. Keep that in there. <laughs> oh. And he'd probably do a, dan- a song and dance routine um, expressing his displeasure. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> most definitely and but it's God love him bless his heart <laughs> but it's interesting because you know there's times when you know you know john barrowman's played you know the romantic in things you know like and mm-hmm. completely straight and it's just like why why do that you know type thing why not just have him be whatever you know he want you know be what he is and everything well he's an actor he's playing a role oh i know playing a role but people can't separate the person from the part a lot of times no i remember that's the issue right i remember what was it on that um desperate housewives when that was the first thing after after doctor who that i had seen him on and it was just like he played completely straight it was like that's Captain Jack, right? <laughs> What's he doing here? Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's, he's, he's pretty he's straight on arrow. Yeah, well, that's he's true. Got, as Malcolm Merlin. As Malcolm Merlin. He, he's a straight arrow. I mean, I, I don't think Sorry, gay, gay out actors again? <laughs> only, only have to pay gay parts. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And it's just like, and it, it's funny, all the uproar when uh, Brokeback Mountain came out and <laughs> crap like well, that. Well, again, there's another kill off. There's another days. kill your gay story. <laughs> Wasn't it great? Everybody felt yeah. good. Yay, gay story, Academy Award. Yeah. Y'all need that to was, do that was, that was great. Thanks. Thanks. Y'all need, y'all need to do what we do because I don't know. Has anybody seen what I think is an incredibly good B movie, Deep Blue Sea? Oh, yeah. Of course. The one with the kill- one of the crazy intelligent killer sharks chasing LL Cool J around. <laughs> it seems like it seems like the gay community needs to do because I don't know if you remember, but there was a scene in um, in Deep Blue Sea where the sharks are menacing LL Cool J, and the character actually says, "Black people never survive stuff like this." Mm. And and Meta. actually, and actually, the movie Anaconda, which I think is not a very good movie. No. But honestly, that movie was talked about in the black community because Ice Cube lived to the end, and it was like wow. one of the first times that a black person survived to the end. I remember when I'm, I remember when I went to see Jurassic Park with my wife and her twin brother. The very first scene in Jurassic Park is the stereotypical great white hunter. You remember that? And he's pulling mm-hmm. the, and this black guy mm-hmm. who looks like he's like ninety years old, they put him up on the cage, and he gets killed and eaten. And my mm-hmm. brother-in-law and I in the theater, the first thing we said, we turned each go, "How the black man got to die first? That was the first. That was the first thing out of our mouths. So I, I, I actually did not know there was a thing like that in the gay community as well. So isn't that oh, interesting? Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're lucky to get queer representation in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, then yeah. guess what? You're you're the sissy archetype, you know, or you're mm-hmm. the butch archetype for women, yeah. or you get killed off in the horror movie really quickly. You're second or third to go, maybe fourth if they want to show that they they care about the character. Yeah, it's probably still the black guy that's going to go first. Probably but the next yeah. one will be the gay guy. It'll be the white gay guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we put up such a fit that we're actually starting to survive movies now, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, ama- it's amazing what forty to fifty years of complaining about the same thing will do. Yeah, will do for you. Yeah. Well, you know when you know you when you've got Samuel L. Jackson, who's going to f up with that guy, right? Good point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, Darren, I have to ask you though, because uh, I was trying, trying to, I was, I was trying to look at some some stories, man. And are there, are there uh, like positive, inspirational representation stories of, of gay men in in film or in TV? It's rare. Like, what do you, you look? What what have you looked for and seen that that, that, that you hope? You have to go to more independent films 
because none of it's in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. You have you have to look for those indie art house films that are not going to do uh, a lot of box office, um, and you have to basically search for them online and try to get them that way. There's there was a movie years ago called Trick that was about a a couple of guys who wanted to trick that means make out and have sex, blah blah blah. But they didn't they couldn't find a place to do it in New York City, so they actually wound up having an all night date, and then made another date the next night. Um, and so it ended on a happy note and no one died. <laughs> it was shocking. <laughs> I mean, there was a drag queen in the bathroom scene that's kind of disturbing, but that's because it was played by Coco Peru and she's amazing. But, um, you know, there's not a lot out there. There really isn't. Queer as Folk was a five uh, series um, series on H, uh, sorry, Showtime, I believe, mm-hmm. back Showtime. in yeah. 2000 to 2004. That's how long ago I'm reaching back in my brain for something positive. And then the L word came out afterwards or during the end of that run. Yeah. Um, but even, you know, the L word is a bunch of stereotypes. Oh, well, so was Queer as Folk. But when oh, you're yeah. in the desert, you know, <laughs> it's the only thing that you have to drink water out of. You're going to drink the water typically, as long as it's not horribly offensive. Well, look how know? tragic something like Hedwig and the Angry Itch was about the gay community. Yeah. And, you know, how they represented that. And, you know, it was just, it was horrible. We, we can call, talk about all the movies. I can name you more movies where trans people are the villain than I can, where their gay men have a happy ending. Yeah. Dressed I mean, kill. that's just where it is. I mean, that is where it is. Dressed to so kill. I have, I have Fi- a question for you. Silence of the Lambs. Lambs. Yeah. 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 So, so, Darren, to that point, Cooper Mike's question for you and Mary, I have a question. I, I, you know, looking at a lot of stuff on television, I'll just throw stuff out that I actually have watched. SWAT has a, a character who is involved in a relationship with a man and a woman. I guess they're polyamorous. Um, Supergirl has gay characters in them. The Shira cartoon has gay and transgender characters in them. For things like that, do you, to your, Mike's point, do you find those representations even realistic or positive or uplifting <laughs> in shows like that um i i would say that representation is important so it's good that they're there however right. they're not rounded out characters let's talk mm-hmm. about the biggest offender will and grace oh yeah uh, yeah will will and jack <laughs> two gay men in new york right you never saw them have sex it was always a comedy of errors where they would wind up in bed together or they would talk about what they did. They might have a boyfriend later on in the series, but they never actually consummated. They're, they were not sexual beings. Meanwhile, you've got the the trope of fat slob husband, hot redheaded wife everywhere in a sitcom, which mm-hmm. Family Guy tropes off of. Oh yeah, it's, of kind, it's kind of the yeah. married with children thing, right? And you can't have a gay character without including the sex in it. You cannot remove the sex from homosexual. No, it doesn't work. You're unicizing them, right? So if you're going to have sex with characters, which all of those characters had sex, but you never saw two characters go to bed except for Grace and her many boyfriends. Mm. Because it was a straight dynamic. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's one of the, it's one of the reasons why in Rocket Man, there's a sex scene between Elton John and his first real boyfriend. Yeah. His and, it, and, it be- and it's very minor. <laughs> I mean, it's like two minutes, if mm-hmm. even that. And it became, it blew up into this huge thing. Because well, Bohemian Rhapsody, he, they only showed Freddie go into 
yeah. the bathroom. There yeah, it no, didn't even go there. You never there. saw Freddie have sex in that movie at I mean, all. I'm telling like, you, Freddie had a lot oh, of Freddie. sex. So, Freddie had yeah, sex. Come oh, yeah. on. When we saw Rocket Man at the theater, you saw so many straight guys like squirming in their seats mm-hmm. during that that scene. It was just like, uh, it's like they're all getting very uncomfortable. Yeah, there there is a movie called Jeffrey that came out in the 90s, and it's about a guy who has sworn off sex because sex was too dangerous because this was the height of the AIDS epidemic. And Patrick Stewart is in it as um, Sterling is his name. He plays a an interior decorator who is as gay as gay can be. And for anyone who's watched Star Trek Next Generation, it'll it'll flip your mind of how how wonderful Sir Patrick did as a flamboyant interior decorator. <laughs> With a houseboy, by the way, which was mm-hmm. fun to watch. And but unfortunately, they killed a gay. Of course. Yeah. You know? And it was a bittersweet ending because one of the guys who gets in the relationship is going to die eventually. You know that's the case. So for y'all, you don't you don't really see what all the with the with the with the growth of gay characters, especially on television, you don't really think that the representation is, is it sounds like it's not complete yet, right? It's not well rounded. You will see a lesbian character before you see a, a gay male character have sex any day of the week on a show. I look mm. at Buffy. Oh, yeah. Um, Willow yeah. and Tara were groundbreaking, but again, yeah. killed the gay. Well, look uh, at right? Orange is the New Black. Well, mm. I look at cable stuff differently. Okay. Because cable has a lot less you know, rules about it. I'm talking about what gets beamed into people's homes by the, the, by the major networks, right? Yeah. Because that's wondering. what middle America is going to watch. Right. I was wondering because there's a there's a transgender character now on um, Supergirl. Yep, Dreamer. Yeah, yeah, Dreamer and stuff like. And I didn't. I wondered what that representation was like. Was that positive? Was it to your point? Was it like the very first tentative steps and so much further to go to really flesh out those characters? I, I can tell you that the the character, so far as I know, is fine. I've only mm-hmm. watched a few of the episodes that she's in, mm-hmm. um, but the hate mail that they got for doing it was still enormous. Yeah, I could see that. So, I mean, that's I just mean, a sad it was, fact. Yeah, it was like that on Orange is the New Black, too. Yeah, oh, of I course. mean, the Laverne Cox character was mm-hmm. the hate mail that generated. It's and cr- Laverne's fabulous. Look at her. Dear yeah. God. I know. <laughs> yeah, how can you not love Laverne? Thank you. Exactly. Well, we've been going for quite some time already with this. All right. More to go, right? Oh, we we got so much that we haven't even touched on yet. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just interesting. And, you know, thank you for the folks who have been following us on Facebook because I know <laughs> I know they're out there. And you know, <laughs> They're probably like going, what the hell are we listening to? Mm. <laughs> you know, be- before we go, before we go, can I ask Keith? Yes. Because what, how do you feel about the rep- representation of black people on TV or in the media? Do you, do you feel like there's been growth? It has absolutely gotten better. If you go back to when I was growing up and you watched the straight out bug eyed black man, that was always the comic relief, like on everything from Three Stooges to Rochester on the Jack Benny show mm-hmm. to this horrible character from back in the 20s named Stephen Fetchett. I don't know if y'all were. Uh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was, that was, um, and Gone with the Wind, things like that. It has absolutely gotten better. You have Captain Cisco, you have. 
Um, you have uh, Black Lightning on the science fiction side. You have, mm-hmm. in my opinion, in my opinion, the best the best realized character on television right now is uh, Randall from This Is Us. Um, I this, that's um, that's a show where he's a very intelligent and successful black man married to a black woman um, has some issues but they have nothing to do with him being black it has absolutely gotten better but sometimes you got, I got to look back to realize that you know that we've gotten better yeah I think it's absolutely gotten better I think what's going on now I don't know if y'all feel like this what what we're sometimes bouncing around with is you know, I'll watch a tv show and there'll be a re- there'll be maybe a positive central black character, but one thing it still seems to be is there may be a black man on the show who's really central to the plot, but not necessarily a black woman, or there may be about a black woman on the show, but not necessarily a black man, almost mm-hmm. as if we can't have both on the same show, and that that does be that's a little bit of a problem. It's almost like we'll just get one or the other, and then back to what Mike Gordon says, you know, check the box off, and you're mm-hmm. good. But I will still I will say that in um, in television and movies, I still don't see enough black representation of all of us together. For example, unless it's a quote unquote black movie, I still don't see a lot of black couples on television, a lot of healthy black couples. Um, You don't see that a lot. So it's definitely gotten better. But I think we got ways to go, which goes back to why you have to have people people from a particular group behind the camera but in the right. writer's room tell those stories in a more mm-hmm. realized way yeah i think i think that's where where um the next big movement has to be yeah. is behind the scenes the creators Absolutely. have to be given a a voice and a platform and uh you know a lot of it is you know it's almost like the old boy network Mm-hmm. where oh, yeah. you know pe- mm-hmm. people who you know ne- the next generation of creators well they tend to be related to the last generation of creators in the mainstream somehow right um, True. you know they got they got an in somehow yeah and um since it's been mostly white men well it's mostly white men <laughs> It's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy, isn't it? Yeah. Right. If if anything positive comes out of COVID, the fact that the big studios can't make the big budget movies like they used to, and the fact that Netflix and people are desperate for stuff, maybe the you know there used to be indie movies, and then they they would get bought out by other companies, so mm-hmm. they'd be called indie, but they were still a subsidiary of big companies. I'm wondering, I'm hoping sometimes that the the the, the paradigm shift in how movies and product are produced will help smaller stories be told like that movie vast the night that's this little science fiction movie that came out a couple of weeks ago. i loved it you can tell it's a little rough it was made for a couple hundred thousand bucks and i'm hoping that stories of different groups of people will be told because the studios will be desperate to put out fair now yeah you can't mm-hmm. it can't be doing all these james bonds and stuff so maybe if you got people who put together little small indie films maybe then those stories those diverse stories will be told and shown more than they would be in times past. Which would be wonderful to see. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so. I heard people complaining because, and, you know, you might get on me on this one. You guys saw Watchmen, didn't you? Uh, I've seen the first three episodes, but okay. I'm in it now. Keith, yeah. c- Keith, cover your ears. Then. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. No, people were very upset because, uh, Keith, take off your headphones, please. I'll tell you when to put them back on. Okay. Because literally, um, people were complaining because the black couple on the show that it ended up 
turning out that the male was Dr. Manhattan, who was mm-hmm. formerly a white guy, you know, and now he's a blue guy. And, you know, and, you know, and so they were saying, couldn't they just have the black couple stay as a black couple and everything like that? And people were bitching and moaning about that. And I was okay. I was very impressed what they touched on in the TV show <laughs> and, you know, how they did touch on like the black wall street and what happened in Wichita and her, you know, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Watchmen is a really good examination of all the, uh, <laughs> the racial buttons that can get pressed. Oh, exactly. Day, right. Exactly. So I'm not going to spoil it. Cause Keith, you do need to watch that <laughs> series. Yeah, you do. You do. You're, you're going to watch it and you're going to be like, I yeah. need to write a thesis on this on Facebook. <laughs> I know, I know we're getting, I know we're getting long on time, but real quick, I want to make a comment on that. Cause I think that illustrates two things, Mike, what you said about watching sites. I've watched the first three episodes. Um, there are people who will be upset because Watchmen has this focus on black culture. I know about the Black Wall Street massacre, but how many people did? And then people will kind of say, why do you want to bring that stuff up? But you know what? There is a real world, real life consequence uh, uh, almost 100 years later to those dozens and hundreds of black families who lost their fortune. You can trace at this point, maybe thousands or tens of thousands of black people whose entire lives were changed negatively because of what happened on Black Wall Street. You know, um, and so that would be like, tell, this is, it's like these Holocaust deniers who want to say, oh, get over it. I mean, are you kidding me? You know, get over it? No, no because exactly. those things have repercussions for literally for centuries, totally. for centuries. Mm-hmm. And, and the other question, I, and I apologize, I'm putting you on the spot, but I do have a very interesting question for Mike. Given this time that we're t- both mics, oh. given this time where we're talking so much about like black issues and people of color issue, um, as white men, how does it make you feel? Because I'll tell you something that's going on in the black community sometimes. Some black folks will say, you know, uh, some black folks will go, okay, now some black folks will say, well, white people are now falling over their swords. White people are like coming up to me and go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be racist. And then some, some, some white people, I think, are feeling attacked, almost like Mike, what you're saying about stories. For example, I feel this way. If you're a white person and you write a story and it's mostly about white characters, well, if that's all you know, I'm not really mad at you for that, unless you you put in a stereotypical, cliche, derogatory black character. You know what I mean? It's kind of like there was mm-hmm. uh, Seinfeld and Friends got attacked because there was no black characters. Correct. Well, from what I could tell, the people who wrote Friends didn't know how to write black characters, so I was very happy that they had very few black characters on Friends because <laughs> I think they would have botched it. So I just, I mean, it's a strange question, but I wonder how do y'all feel as white men? Because you know, you are hearing a lot from women and gay people and black people and it is not and it's not intended as an attack against white men it's not that's that's not where i come from it's not like i'm saying you know white men white men you suck it's like guys i hurt so please listen to the fact that i hurt and i'll listen to the fact that you hurt it's like it's like black people want to be heard we don't want to shout down white people we just want to be heard so how do y'all feel sometimes do you feel almost like you're getting attacked or you're having to answer for something that maybe you didn't even do. Yes. No. In truth, <laughs> you know, it's like, you have to be a realist these days. Mm-hmm. White culture, we are slowly and slowly, you know, eventually going to be a minority in this country. It's going to be right. all multiracial. It's going right. to be all multicultural. Mm-hmm. And that's right. a great thing. What you're mm-hmm. seeing nowadays is the last gasps of people trying to hold on to power. 
Good point. And mm-hmm. that's the way I see it. I don't feel attacked. I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like, you know, people, you know, come on. How many people are already saying, oh, it's the Jews who are behind all this anyway. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah. And so, and that's coming from all sides, not just the yeah. the, the right or it's, yeah. it's coming from, I've heard it come from the blacks culture. I've heard mm-hmm. it from come, even gay culture has even said that. And, you know, and so, you know, that's something I've got to live with. And I'm not even that religious, but mm-hmm. I'm still associated with it, you know, and it's just as a white person, it's just because that's my, my religion decided not to make themselves a ethnic group in the U.S., in the late 1800s they decided Mm -hmm. that they just wanted to integrate into society so (laughs) it's just because of that but we're being persecuted too in some ways and it's always the big fallback is always attack the jews wow and everything and you know and so that's just a whole different story that ties into this nicely with a bow tie tonight and <laughs> that was very uplifting. Yes. Exactly. But, but do I think, what do I think about the, what's happening in society? I think it's something that needs to happen. I think it's something right. that needs to change for us to go forward and to prosper as a society and as a race, you know? Yeah. I, I think of it like, um, I think of it like in a marriage where the woman has for years, the wife has for years felt like she's not heard by her husband and maybe he's abusive, not physically. He might be verbally abusive. You know, he might be a little bit insulting. He might think that she's not that smart. He may think her place is in the home. And then one day, as happened on All in the Family, one day after 30 years of marriage, the wife comes home one day or one day she says, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm going to get a job. You're going to quit calling me fat. You're going to quit putting me down. And then the husband's like, what is wrong with you? What what happened to you? Who changed you? Why are you attacking me? The gaslighting begins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's not attacking him. She's just speaking up for herself. She wants mm-hmm. to be an equal. And I have had conversations with some white folks, like this one person I was talking about, who felt like, okay, guys, you guys are now attacking us. Like, I swear to you, I'm not trying to attack white people. I just want to be heard. You know, that's it. We just want to be heard. And I think to your point, Mike, very, very well said, when you're used to having all the power in a relationship, even if you're not a bad person, you're just used to it. And you feel like something's taking something from you and attacking you, and they're not. They just want or, to be, yeah. Or even you don't understand it at all. Absolutely. Like that person just is almost incapable of understanding where you're coming from because they sure. don't they don't get the thousand cuts every day right. that that you do. Right, and then they'll say, "Well, you were happy yesterday," and you'll have to say, "Actually, I wasn't. I just didn't say anything." I think that's what freaks more people out. Because a, a friend of mine asked me that question: "Where did all this come from?" I said, "Dude, it came from 400 years." I said, you just don't know what we don't say every single day in a black community. No, exactly. You know, you don't know what we say every day behind closed doors. It's just coming out. (laughs) Well, exactly. And it's just, you know, and it's, and not defending the other side, but Mm -hmm. it's them because they're just scared. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown and they don't know better. You know, most of the people who were all in favor of you know deporting all the illegals and blah 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 mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they are from states that don't even have that issue it's just because they hear it on tv or the radio right 
and everything. And it's well, just, people are always looking for somebody to blame. Well, always. You know? Hi, hello. Except, except the responsibility is <laughs> a difficult thing, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I also think there's personal responsibility of that for them to educate themselves and get over their fear, though. If we can't just say, "Oh, you're scared of all this," and that's that's it. You have you have the ability as a human being to evolve in your thinking on these issues, and we can't just throw our hands up and go, "Well, that's it for that guy. He's he's out of here." They need to do some active soul searching and thinking about these attitudes and where they come from and what that origin is, but and you- then get over it. They have to yeah. get over that. Well, and, and, it's almost you know it's almost like a generation has to die out for yeah. a lot of it to change. Sad to say, but you know, to <laughs> to add to to give one story of hope, people can change. Yes, they my can. dad was a die-hard Republican. He he grew up in Kansas in the Midwest. He was, you know, he. He probably never saw a black person until he was like in his 20s or 30s. And he, you know, he he voted straight Republican just for the longest time. He and I used to have political arguments all the time. Um, he wasn't thrilled when he found out I was gay. But but now my my but in like the last 20, maybe 20 years, 15 years he has done a lot of soul searching and he has completely turned around. He, it started during the Bush administration and his eyes started to be open, (laughs) opened a little bit when he saw what was happening. And, um, and he, you know, he's, he's just, we have a totally, a totally different relationship now. He's a sweet, caring guy who, who came to an epiphany and who suddenly realized that, the other people around him were actually people. Mm-hmm. They weren't things. They weren't abstract. They weren't ideas. They were people, and they were uh, awful more like him than than they were not like him. You know, and, and he changed. That, that's what I found when I traveled. You know, there's so many people anywhere in the world who are more like you than not. And Amen. That's, and that's what you're gonna. People should find out. That, you know, people, you know, the ones who are the most bosterous and loud and obnoxious are the ones who, you know, are such a minority anyway, and a minority not in a good way. Oh, totally. And, and One million moms group is actually about 15,000 people on yeah. Facebook. So really, one yeah. million? Mm-hmm. That's what Math they, is not their strong point. No, mm-hmm. no. They forgot to add a couple zeros, but they are zeros. So are. there you go. <laughs> so I think we've gone on for quite some time. <laughs> I think, you know, this has been awesome. I got my second wind. This, this, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> this has been awesome. This has it been has. a ton of fun and everything. And, you know, it might not have gone exactly like what we originally planned when we put this together, but I think it was great to be able to talk to everybody like this. And, you know, I just, I think it's pretty awesome that we can do this on mm-hmm. a, with my friends, with, you know, people I care about. There's each one of you. I do. And that's the great thing about this. It's like people, I've broken bread with every one of you guys on this call tonight. And that's the most amazing thing. It doesn't fripping matter who you are, what you are. 
everyone has something in common. We're all geeks, you know, and that's great. And that's one of the great things about it. And we're also human. And that's another plus. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You know, Mike is kind of a robo replicant tonight. That's okay. But, you know, <laughs> but we love them anyway. So it's all cool. But let's thank our crew for being here tonight. And of course, Mr. Mike, we made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you're going to shout out about tonight, sir? I just want to thank, shout out to, you know, everybody participating in, in this uh, live event. And uh, it's been great fun. And then the conversation will continue. This is this is not the end of it. Oh, no. I think we need to. For, for, for us and for, uh, you know, hopefully us as a society. Well yeah. said. Very, very well said. Awesome, man. And, of course, Mary Ogle, who we'll see tomorrow night, actually. Yes, yeah, it's Doctor Who tomorrow night. Exactly. Anything you want to shout out about? Uh, you can find me on maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. And I just want to say thank you so much for asking me to be part of this discussion. It, it was really wonderful talking with everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, most definitely. And, of course, Keith, thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. I, I really enjoyed this. I wish I had more to say. but <laughs> Oh, Keith, come uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're all the shy and demure type tonight. I barely got anything out of you tonight. No? Yeah. I will say, I will say real quickly, um, I had a friend one time, a white person who was talking about the future of racism and how she, she was saying, you know, I, I want all this stuff gone. And she made that statement. She said, you know, I just wish there was a future where everybody was the same color. I wish everybody was just gray. Or I wish everybody was just mixed race. And I remember saying, that's not the solution. Because if you're white, you should love being white. If you're black, you should love being black. If you're Italian, if you're Mexican, if you're gay, you should love the thing you are. And I think what we have to realize is loving what you are doesn't mean that you have to hate someone else. You don't have to put somebody else down to lift yourself up. And so I think it's great that we have white guys on this call and straight people on this call and black people on this call and gay people on this call. And I think we should all be able to talk. And I think at the end of the day, despite the protests, you know, the violence that we unfortunately have, what people should come away with all of this, everything we talk about, whether it's Star Trek or fantasy, is people just want to be listened to. I will listen to you if you will listen to me. And I think that's the biggest lesson we've got to pull from mm. all of us. Now, if you want to go and ever listen to an old episode of Earth Station One, we, uh-huh. did, we did a book review not that long ago, what, about a year or so ago, about this book called This Perfect Day. It's a novel by Ira Levin. And it's about uh-huh. a, a society where everyone is the same. Everyone uh-huh. is the same race. Everyone is the same. You know, it's a mix of black, white, Asian. Right. Everyone's just all tied in together, you know, but it's, it's almost horrific, you know, what the society sure. has become. And that takes, you know, all the gentrification and everything to a new extreme. And, sure. and you know, and, you know, people are told early in life, this is who you're going to marry. This is if you're going to have kids. This, you know, there's no free will. It's boom. And that, I don't want to live in a society like that either. Me either. No. Yeah. yeah. So, we don't need to become more alike. We need to accept that there are differences. Absolutely. Exactly. But we did that like a year ago. And it, it's a great book if you ever get a chance to read. What's it called again? It's called This Perfect Life. This perfect life. I definitely look that up. Yeah, thank we'll, you. We'll have a link to it up in Amazon on and you know you. on yes, our show thank notes. You. And thank a, you so much for inviting me. Dude, you are always <laughs> welcome. Don't wait so long to be back on the show, sir. Yes. And of course, 
Darren, last but Hola. definitely not least. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about? And thank you, of course, for being here tonight. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'd like to shout out to all the protesters. Stay safe, please, out there. Be careful. Um, know your friends. <laughs> keep them close. Keep your enemies closer. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, change, oh, wow. is, change is never easy in this world. And power is something you have to fight for every day because it is not given willingly by those who have it. No. So do be careful. And wear your masks. Oh, please. People, please. Yes. For the love yes. of Jeebas. Oh, my God. Yes. We ordered... We ordered dinner out last night and literally I was the only one in that restaurant and I was doing curb, you know, I just went in to pick up the food. The only one who was wearing a mask. Wow. I went to the drugstore the other day, wow. uh, except for the pharmacy techs and the cashiers at the front. I was the only one there wearing a mask. Yeah. The only one. I, I like ran out to the car. Judy, bathe me in that hand sanitizer. <laughs> oh, I came home and threw my clothes in the washer. Oh, I took God, a shower yeah. immediately. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> And it's just, it's just crazy. You know, people are acting like things are back to normal and folks, it's not, no matter what you're saying, it is far from over. Come on. It's just, we're still in the first wave. We haven't even got to the second wave yet. Oh no, not at all. Just everyone, please. This is no longer a first wave. It's a first tsunami. Yeah, no, you're completely right. And the numbers are just constantly going up and going up and going up. And you know, I'm just, I don't, I don't see life getting back to normal for quite some time. They just announced today that, you know, Broadway's closed in New York to 2021 at the, and the earliest in January. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, but, there, are, there are governors rolling back there, which is smart. Know, they're opening and uh, mandating masks now. But, so. but governor duh of Georgia is not. Yeah. <laughs> And so, oh, we we would have to talk about him offline. Yeah, oh, the language, <laughs> the language that will come out of my mouth is not suitable for Facebook yeah. Live. No, Florida's not any better. No, I know. Um, I did want to give a quick shout out. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the lovely Mary Ogle who's with us tonight. Uh, I wanted to let you guys know she has created an amazing logo for the Geek Seat. That, that is right, folks. We have now a Geek Seat logo. And awesome. uh, if you go to the T Public store, which you can go through through the ESO website, and it is amazing. You can get it in t-shirt form. You can get it in magnet form. And actually, if you become a member of the Patreon, you will be get, getting an ESO network uh, magnet featuring the Geek Seat. So, you can get it on a mask. Yeah, exactly. You can wear the geek seat on your face. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I'm sure everyone was just having your on your face, man. <laughs> yes, and of course, you can't see me anyway, so there you go. With that being said, we will be back again next week. We are going to be looking at the classic movie Cool Cold Hand Luke. Oh, wow. Cool Hand Luke is going to be awesome to talk about. Yes. And you know it's gonna be, it's gonna to hear be that. yeah, it's gonna be great to talk all about that one. And you know, after that, I won't ever be able to look at a hard-boiled egg. No, <laughs> you missed Easter on that one. You should have done it for Easter. Yeah. <laughs> touche, touche. But folks, 
please be safe. And thank you all, everyone who's been with Facebook Live, everyone who's been supporting us on Patreon, just everyone who's been giving a crap about Earth Station One and the ESO Network. From the bottom of my heart, I do thank you guys. And, you know, we will do this again next month. It was a blast being with you guys. Thank you so much. And we will see you then. Thanks, all. Peace, all. Peace. Peace. Thank you. And we are done. Yay. (laughs) You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.